friends, and welcome back to Ghoul's Night Inn, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Midge Munster. And Penny, we talk a lot on this show about our goth breadcrumbs, as it were, um, how you mm-hmm. look back through your childhood and your adolescent years and see all the ways that you were a little different from your peers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and one of those key moments for me personally uh, was sitting in Mrs. Bean's seventh grade English class and we were popcorn reading, which Mm -hmm. I love popcorn reading, (laughs) (laughs) which if you did not grow up in the time of popcorn reading um, was just a silly educational term for going around the room uh, reading out loud one by one until the teacher said popcorn and then it would skip to the next student and you would have to pick up where the last person left off um so we were popcorn reading and everyone else in the room was so disinterested meanwhile my life was being changed forever (laughs) what Uh, what could it be what 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 literary masterpiece could have changed midge's life no one knows um but yes i i was being sculpted as a person by the immortal words of my favorite writer edgar Allan poe and penny this is my houdini episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is my houdini uh like i said i was in seventh grade we're reading the raven and i became just insatiable obsessed with this man um and the way that he wrote about everything not just the way he wrote about death and like horror but the way he wrote about love the way Mm -hmm. he depicted women in his writing um and then in high school it became almost ceremonial for me that it, it was not October until I started rereading Poe's works. Um, it was a very like almost religious thing for yeah. me where I would have to get his books out every first of October. Um, the first haunted house that I was ever convinced to go to, which we've talked about on this channel before, uh, was that uh, Chambers of Poe. was a haunted house based on his works. And my high school, one of my favorite high school teachers gifted me a complete works of Poe as a graduation present. Uh, This has been my lore. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And as we have just passed his birthday on the 19th of January, I thought it was finally time for me to bring Poe to the pod. Yes. Waiting so long because I wanted to do him justice. So, uh, do you, do you remember your first exposure to Poe at all? Um, I think we definitely also read Poe in seventh right. grade. Um, right. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's like right around that time that yeah, the, so the rite I'm, of passage happens. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure it was that. I remember we read, um, we read The Pit and the Pendulum and oh, nice. we read The Cask of Amontillado. Oh, nice. I don't think we, we, we definitely, we did Raven and I'm sure we, I think we did Telltale Heart around that same mm. time too. Well, I think Telltale Heart might've been in there too. I think it was one of those things where like the class was split. And so oh, everybody everyone read, read a different story, story, except for surprise, um, your hyper-focus super reader, me, you read all read of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Well, uh, regardless of when you 
got exposed to him. I'm sure most of us know generally about Poe's work and his writing. Um, Today, I want to focus more on the man than his Mm -hmm. stories, because I think most of us are fairly familiar with his his big works. Um, But there's a lot to his life that a lot of people don't know. So we're going to we're going to go from there. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. So uh, let's start at the beginning. Edgar Poe was born uh, in Boston, Massachusetts in 1809 to parents David and Elizabeth or Eliza Poe. Um, And Poe's father abandoned the family pretty early on, you know, Mm -hmm. like like some dads do. Um, But Edgar was very, very close with his mother, Eliza, who was a an actress and worked very hard to make ends meet for their family. Now, obviously in 1809, actresses were not uh, highly regarded within society. However, uh, Eliza actually was pretty well thought of. Um, She was very graceful and very talented. And even though she was an actress, the community overall liked her very well. Um, Unfortunately, she passed very early in Edgar's life. He was just about three years old when she contracted tuberculosis and passed at the age of 24. Woof. So young. (laughs) Um, And what's even crazier about that is that she sure did already have three children. (coughs) Yeah. Edgar was one of three. um, But because families uh, did respect and like her, people stepped up to take care of her three children. Uh, They were scattered into different foster homes. Um, And while he was never formally adopted by them, the Allen family of Richmond, Virginia, took Edgar in and gave him a very solid upbringing. Um, Mrs. Allen, who was very, very fond of Mrs. Poe, had no children of her own, so she really just showered Edgar with affection. She really doted on him. Uh, Mr. Allen was a bit of a rough around the edges Mm. type guy. He was a Scotsman. He was a tobacco merchant. So he was a man's man, as one might say. Um, But he did give Edgar a good education and a comfortable home. They were pretty well to do. And so it was expected that Edgar be uh, a a society man, that he be, Mm -hmm. you know, educated and well-mannered. And so he was, he was raised that way. Um, but Edgar was a very sensitive boy. Oh, yeah, he is sensitive. Relatable. <laughs> uh, so he and Mr. Allen did not always see eye to eye. And when Mrs. Allen became ill, also with tuberculosis. Damn tuberculosis. Yeah. Um, John Allen, the father, was having just sordid affairs inside the Allen home while his wife was dying in the other room. Um, And Edgar, that did not sit well with him at all. Uh, We'll find a a thread here with Mr. Poe through this episode that he was just a a lover of women and not in a like Gaston type way, but in (laughs) a like almost like worshipy type way. Like he just loved femininity and women the women figures in his life um and so he he stood up for mrs allen and confronted john allen and was like hey what the heck she's dying and you're bringing all these other women into her home that's super disrespectful 
And <laughs> would you believe that John Allen didn't like that? Uh, it's awful. wow. I know, shocking. He was like, "Hey, maybe f you," and so he uh, wanted to get Edgar out of the house so he could continue doing whatever the hell he wanted. So he sent Edgar away to the University of Virginia, um, which could have been a good thing. Edgar, when he got there, was immediately a person of interest amongst his peers. He was super talented, both, uh, I mean, obviously as a writer, but he also was kind of known for drawing all over the walls of his room. <laughs> he would draw portraits on the walls and the ceilings, and students would like come to look at his art in his room, and he would have like little gatherings where he would read his writings aloud. And people were just very overall impressed with him. Um, That's, but on, honestly, that sounds like a kind of guy that I would be very impressed oh, with in college. Crushed. Also. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be, I would really? be mooning Ooh. over. Edgar. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Would have, he would have ruined my life and I would have thanked him for the experience <laughs> for sure. Uh, <laughs> definitely the brooding artist. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he showed so much promise. And unfortunately, John Allen, being the just absolute dick that he was, <laughs> um, just wanted to see Edgar fail, really. He gave him enough money to get to the university to get him out of the house, but did not give him funds to like pay for his classes or have no. food or clothing. Um, so he was immediately out of resources within the first year that he was at university. And he turned to his father, well, his, his foster father, yeah. and was like, hey, please, can I have some money to eat? <laughs> and his dad was like, no. Nah. Um, so Poe turned to gambling, trying to make some money to live, and found himself $2,000 in debt, Oops. which in this time frame is like a gajillion dollars. Yeah. It's, like, it's like 1826. <laughs> like he's, he's destitute um so he's in debt he once again goes back to john allen's like please can you just help me his his which uh, we mentioned this john allen is extremely wealthy he's yeah. not hurting for anything um so he's like please he's just being a me. dick he's just being the worst um it's like can you help me with this debt can you help me get through school and his foster father says nah fam and so with debt collectors hot on his heels poe took on a fake name and enlisted in the military to disappear. Now, <laughs> uh, uh, as we've mentioned, Edgar is a sensey boy. Yeah. <laughs> he does not fare well in the military, um, but during his time as Edgar Perry in the military, uh, he does publish his first collection, Tamerlane and Other Poems, but he doesn't credit it to a name it's credited to quote a bostonian uh, is uh who it's published under and that happens in 1827 i do love that in the olden times you not you could only just... could be like i'm gonna enlist under a fake name but also just keep your own first name <laughs> like that wasn't even you're just like i'll just be midge smith now and people right. are like okay okay yeah um and famously edgar Allan poe was like 
in the wind too like he so many cities claim him like boston yeah. claims him baltimore claims him uh richmond claims him like he was kind of all over so he probably did disappear enough like you yeah can, you can but go, you go just, to another city you and be, you just be like i live here now and i'm someone else and, and also be that like, was we have no me. way of knowing anything different <laughs> right <laughs> um but also during this time in the military this is just mm, a chef's kiss Poe writes a letter to John Allen in 1828, and this is a direct quote from the letter. If you are determined to abandon me, here I take my farewell. Neglected, I will be doubly ambitious, and the world shall hear of the son whom you have thought unworthy of your notice. Burn. <laughs> he literally said, okay, you are going to abandon me? I'm going to show you, bitch. Yeah, he is. Uh... So, <laughs> Poe did not show. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but things took another just terrible turn for him oh, in funny. 1829 when uh, his foster mother, Frances Allen, ended up actually dying at that know. point from her tuberculosis. Yeah. She she lived for a couple years, which was not um, the fate of his mother. But Poe was just again. Positively devastated, um, and had now at only like twenty years of age watched the two women he loved most in this world die of a horrible illness, uh, and now he's been orphaned twice by two mothers and rejected by two fathers, Whoops. and he's just looking for any semblance of a family unit. That idea was something really important to him, um, and so he ends up moving to Baltimore where he goes to live with his aunt Maria Clem and her daughter Virginia. And this ends up being a pretty happy family situation for him. He finally has some, some love and support. Um, and then in 1834, John Allen is dying mm -hmm. and Poe gets summoned to the deathbed of John Allen. And he's thinking like oh yay i'm finally gonna reconcile <laughs> with daddy um john allen calls him there to wave a cane at him and scream at him and threaten him All and right. that is and that's their last interaction before John passes. And John leaves all of his money to his illegitimate children and cuts Edgar out of his will completely and leaves Oof. him nothing. Fuck that so, guy. Yeah, it's not good because Poe is now basically the man of a, a new house because he's yeah. living with Maria and Virginia, who are just by their by themselves. Um and so he's trying to not only support himself now, but also working to try to support Maria and Virginia. And some some of John's old money would have really helped with that. Yeah. But, but we have a, a nothing once again. So <laughs> the problem here tends to be that, which is, I, I respect about him, but it's also a mess. Poe just refuses to walk away from the idea that he's going to be a famous poet. Mm. Um, so while he is just absolutely destitute most of his life, he's like, I'm going to make this work. Which again, I, I respect, but also bub. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough out here. Uh, he never makes a strong living as a writer mostly because well for several reasons but a lot of publishers of course found his work to be way too dark yeah um, he 
found it almost impossible to find anyone who would publish Telltale Heart. That's one of his earlier pieces, and people were just like, hell no, nah, Bob. <laughs> this, this is, is fucked wild. up. <laughs> <laughs> this is positively wild. Um, and anyone who's read this story knows, like, Poe was really ahead of his time in mm-hmm. the kind of idea of almost, almost like my, modern psychoanalysis. Like, that yeah. character um, in Telltale Heart is such an interesting cross-section of like so many things <laughs> um but it was just a little too far ahead of where yeah. society was at when he was writing but he does end up finding a bit of steady work in 1835 as an editor um, he takes a job at the southern literary messenger and then that moves him back to richmond um during this time this is also what ends up hindering his career a lot is this job because during this time he just makes an ass load of enemies oh, no. <laughs> uh he becomes a, a literary critic basically uh-huh. um and he is a harsh critic he has like no holds barred just like he gets nicknamed which these are let's acknowledge these are both problematic nicknames in the year of our lord 2024 <laughs> um, but he does get nicknamed the tomahawk man and the comanche of literature oh my um just for his scathing like unrelenting reviews of his peers because at this time and we've seen this before with a, a little fellow by the name of charles dickens <laughs> um at this time a lot of quote literary reviews are a bunch of pompous writers just like scratching each other's backs back and forth and writing fluff pieces about each other to further their own careers sure poe didn't give a damn about that (laughs) i was like so here's my diss track (laughs) (laughs) literally he's throwing out punches left and right he accuses a ton of his literary colleagues of being plagiarists and not having (laughs) any original thoughts uh he just makes enemies that will haunt him for years at this point uh and that will come back around even after his death we'll we'll get there but uh i think a lot of you probably know that story anyway he's working for southern literary messenger causing a stink um and later that year his aunt maria writes to him saying that she is going to have his cousin Virginia, her daughter, sent to live with another family who can provide better for her financially. Because even though he's making stable money-ish at this point, he's still not making a lot. Yeah. And we're seeing the early developments of a drinking problem Mm -hmm. that um, have caused him to be less than, uh, what's the word? Reliable. Reliable. (laughs) So... This is, in my opinion, where we really start to see the cracks in Poe's mental health is when the Virginia letter happens because he goes on a drinking bender, almost loses his job. He writes these positively like insane letters to Maria and Virginia that are just like intensely emotional to the point of almost like paranoia mm-hmm. saying that like he cannot live without virginia he's in love with her he will not allow this to happen he'll die before he sees her sent away <laughs> so what do what do we do in this situation well in 1835 we marry our first cousin hey <laughs> poe marries virginia to keep her 
in the family, I guess, is the only way I can think to put it. Uh, and the documents are forged to say that she's 21 when they get married, when in reality, he is 26 years old and she is barely 13. <gasps> yeah. I love you, Poe. This is your one big fumble not a, for Not me. a good look. Not a good look, my man. No. And, you know, the circumstances are obviously wildly unpleasant by today's standards, but also we know things were very different in the 1800s and women were being married off at very young ages. Um, so it, it's not great, but by all standards, they were a, an extremely happy couple. Um, it's There's a lot of documentation from friends and people who came and like dined with them that they were always laughing and playing games together and that people saw them like w taking walks in the garden and singing together and playing leapfrog, <laughs> um, cooking together. So regardless of the nature of their relationship, one thing for sure is that Poe really did love her a lot in his own way. Mm -hmm. um, and they had seemingly a very happy partnership for 11 years. Uh, and during that time, Poe continues to try to make a living as a writer. Again, they are still destitute. And his mother-in-law slash aunt <laughs> really urges him to find other work. She sets up meetings for him with like people in the White House. She gives him all these different opportunities for work to get loans. And Poe constantly squanders them. Uh he has like a meeting with pres the president at one point and shows up just blasted drunk and right. tries to like sell him magazine subscriptions. <laughs> it's, it's not great. Uh, and the sad thing is, of course, he doesn't make a living as a writer, but it's not because he's not a good writer. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, many people, even during the time that he was alive, revered him as a great writer and as a great like orator and storyteller. And he didn't only write the horror that we know him for today. He is, and this is something I feel like a lot of people do not know, Poe is actually credited for inventing the detective genre of literature, yes. which I knew you knew. Yeah. <laughs> um, so his work, The Murders at Rue Morgue, predate Sherlock Holmes that was published in 1841 and uh, that story focuses on a French detective by the name of Auguste Dupin and they're working to solve a string of slashing murders that if you haven't read this I highly recommend it's wild it is very wild <laughs> uh, it ends up that the the murders are being con committed by a, a razor wielding orangutan and it's just like one of the wildest stories it's very fun um so he creates the detective genre he also was like a very talented comedy writer and was well known for his satire but a lot of that did not survive into current day because it was like scathing social satire about what was happening at the time and so now for it to be you know, understood, you would have to have like an intimate knowledge of yeah. the political <laughs> climate at that time and the people involved. Um, so it, it doesn't withstand the test of time the way his other works do. Uh, because of course, what we remember him best for are his tales of horror. Yes. Uh, and in 1842, 
Poe wrote The Mask of the Red Death, which obviously I think it's pretty heavy handed to me that that is so influenced by his ongoing uh, encounters with death by tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. Uh, At this point, he's lost his mother, his foster mother. And by the time this is published in 1842, his brother has also been taken by consumption man uh, yeah that consumption uh, it'll get it, you it, it, it be consuming yeah <laughs> do <laughs> um but sadly that is far from the worst loss that he will experience and uh, one evening when he and his wife are doing their little singing together like they do uh virginia is singing and coughs mid-song and a bead of blood comes out yep. of her mouth and poe knew in that moment that it was her death sentence and virginia battles tuberculosis for five long years which is almost worse than if she had just died um because during this period and she's young too which is probably Mm -hmm. why she survives this long um but during that period of five years she has bouts of almost like false recovery so she keeps getting better and then falling ill over and over again um and that of course causes poe to keep gaining hope that she's going to survive and then mourn her over and over again before she even dies uh it takes just a insane toll on him and through this pain and sadness he writes his probably most famous work the raven Mm. um, as kind of a (laughs) pre-morning of virginia before she is even lost so this is published in january of 1845 and this is an overnight sensation it's the first work of pose that people are ravenous about yeah Uh um people loved it they're horrified by it there are children in the street that like chase him flapping their arms and making (laughs) sounds and he was like famous for playing into it and like turning very starkly at them and going nevermore and then like walking (laughs) away and he loved it the kids loved it like he's just kind of a little celebrity in this moment uh it's vastly popular but (laughs) as seems to be the case with our poor bud's life popularity did not equal money and he made a whopping 14 dollars off the raven oh no that was it uh he does make a career for a time orating the raven putting on live performances Mm -hmm. of it where people packed theaters of people come to watch him do the raven um but it it never equates financial success for him and uh of course two years after that is published unable to get the care that she needs due to their poverty virginia does end up passing um and that is the beginning of the end for poe he he gets real shelly here real fast yeah um wandering out all hours of the night to lay on her grave and cry he sleeps on her grave a lot of nights his drinking is getting worse and worse he's he's unraveling and he has a real bizarre couple years before his own death um as we discussed earlier 
he has this godlike fascination with women mm-hmm. and their position in his life. In fact, there is a quote from him um, as one saying, women have been angels of mercy to me, tenderly leading me from the verge of ruin while men stood aloof and mocked me. No. The money issues are there, <laughs> but he's not wrong. Yeah. Um, so he does have a, a, this great respect for women that does border though on like a, Uh, an issue (laughs) for his own (laughs) mental health. And during this two years prior to his death, he goes on a frenzied search trying to find female companionship after Virginia dies. And (laughs) he is writing letters to all these different women at the same time, almost identical letters of courtship. He's proposing he proposes to a wealthy socialite named helen whitman in a cemetery uh there's a lot of he wrote helen whitman a letter to where he is like wooing her but specifically talking about death like he's (laughs) like if if you died i would hold your dead hand and go into the grave with you like this it becomes very intertwined for him this idea of love and death um which i think we see heavily reflected in his later work mm-hmm. um but he yeah he proposes to helen she kind of begrudgingly accepts because also his reputation at this point is not great yeah <laughs> like, i was gonna say i can't imagine people are like this guy's on the up and up yeah between the 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 writing and the heavy drinking and the the poverty he's not uh, he's not a social elite by any not means. Not a catch. <laughs> no. Um, and so Helen and him end up breaking it off because Helen's mom gets involved and asks him to more or less sign a prenup. Uh, and good job, he, Helen's mom. Yeah, good job, Sarah. And he does not like that one bit. So he's like, hell nah. And he breaks that off. But don't worry, because he ends up engaged <laughs> a few months later to a woman named Elmira Shelton, who he was also engaged to when he was 17 question mark <laughs> i don't know he's a wild person um but he gets engaged to elmira great name uh and things are not looking good for him he's mostly sick or drunk or oscillating between the two at this point um he's getting very paranoid thinking that people have been sent to assassinate him he shaves off his mustache at one point to avoid being recognized by people uh he's just not in a good way and it's 1849 he's freshly engaged to elmira shelton um september and he goes back to baltimore assuming uh, that he i'm I'm guessing the the thing here was to tell his aunt that he was engaged Mm -hmm. because it's something they say he goes back to Baltimore to see Maria. So I'm assuming this happens right after their engagement. Uh, at which point he disappears for several days and there's no record of what happens to him until he shows up half conscious in a Baltimore street, delirious and wearing clothes that are not his. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a Poe person at all, or you have looked into him at all, his death is pretty wildly famous because of mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Um, he there's no 
knowing no one knows what happened to him during those several days he disappeared or why he shows up like this um there's a lot of theories about what could have happened the most popular one probably being that he was a victim of cooping uh, or voter fraud because it was an election day in baltimore when he was found and there was a popular thing at the time where people would drug people and put them in different clothes several times to send them into polls as different voters to try to once stuff again them. things right. can happen in the olden times be exactly. like hey i've got a different shirt on let me vote <laughs> i shaved my mustache um so some believe that because he was found in clothes that were and they the big thing too is that they were evidently not his clothes because they were far too small on him mm. and so people were like well obviously these weren't his clothes what happened um and so many people believe that he was a, a cooping victim yeah but we will sadly never know what it's happened to him mystery. um and he was it, it, like I said, in a way at that point <laughs> that <Yeah. laughs> there could have been a lot of different things yes. that happened to him. Um, but he is taken to a hospital where he spends several days in a just like feverish delusion state. He's talking to ghosts in the room and screaming and just not in his right mind at all. And then on the morning of October 7th, he has this brief moment of lucidity and says god help my poor soul and then he dies at age 40. um very poetic of him to go out this way (laughs) very very poe of him um so that's the end of poe's life however i would say i would argue that the most interesting part happens next (laughs) um because remember those enemies that we talked Mm -hmm. about that he created during his time at the messenger well one such fellow by the name of Rufus Griswold wasted absolutely zero time in writing Poe's obituary. He goes under the pseudonym Ludwig Griswold. Again, just changes a first name. <laughs> right. We're like, we know it's you, Rufus, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> but writes the most scathing, horrible obituary. Uh, it starts with the sentence, Edgar Allan Poe is dead. He died in Baltimore the day before yesterday. This announcement will startle many, but few will be grieved by it. Oof. Rude. Savage. Um, And just continues to positively shit on Poe in his own obituary. So horrible. Um, And fun fact, it's actually because of this obituary that we know him as Edgar Allan Poe. Obviously, Poe had a very tumultuous relationship with John Allen um so he never really went by that name his signature huh. in his life is always edgar a poe mm. but he never used the name alan while he was alive so it's also kind of like a final f you from griswold that he stuck that yeah name in there and that was like a surname that edgar didn't really attach to himself um griswold also conned maria clem Poe's uh, Poe's uncle, Poe's aunt, (laughs) um, into giving him the rights to all of Poe's work. No. So Griswold goes on to publish the works of Poe with a foreword that slanders him even further, painting him as like this friendless madman, which was not, I mean, he was a little bonkers cuckoo. We can't deny that. (laughs) But People who knew him in life were like, that's not how we knew him. Yeah, yeah. Privately, he was not that person. Um, 
And so that is an, another just horrible thing that he does. And Griswold therefore makes all the money off of Poe's published work. And Maria Clem and Poe's remaining family never see a cent of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the famous photo, if you if you all close your eyes with me and you picture mm-hmm. Edgar Allan Poe in your head, yes. I know exactly what photo you're picturing because yes. it's it's the one. <laughs> the one. Um, his little sunken eyes and his just broad forehead and <laughs> big old head. <laughs> big old head, gaunt expression, just looking haunted as hell. Um this photo was taken days after a suicide attempt. It's famously mm. one of the like worst and saddest photos of him. And so Griswold sure did make sure that that was the photo they used for him in all like memoriam posts. Um, Man, this dude sucks. He sucks big time. And of course, unfortunately, Poe had made so many enemies at this point that no yeah. one really cared to counteract in any way that what he was doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the equivalent of someone using like a mug shot for someone's obituary. Yeah. It's just really shitty. Um, and that kind of forever solidifies this idea of Poe as this raving lunatic and sad boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, sculpts through history, how we even view him today. Uh, but I would say in the end, Poe did get the last laugh because while Griswold sucks, he did publish all of Poe's works in a way that we all now read them. <laughs> yep. yeah. um, and his horror works specifically have endured uh, very, very well. Uh, they are, to me, like such an honest dissection of our need to understand what happens when we die. Um, and it was so ahead of its time. He really understood the human psyche and the effects of guilt on the mind and i think for a lot of us who fell in love with him very young like he resonates with so many of us who struggled with our own mental health because his work really does approach it in a way that just faces that darkness head on i know that's why i've always been so drawn to him and uh we know we know how prevalent his work continues to be he's had extreme influence on another one of our personal favorites here on the pod mr vincent price was very enamored with poe's work and uh we're still getting modern retellings y'all know because i haven't stopped talking about it this (laughs) this mike flanagan adaptation of house of usher was like one of my favorite things to ever happen if you're a poe nerd and you haven't watched it yet i cannot stress enough uh it's just full of delicious little Mm -hmm. easter eggs from all of his writing and his life um i'm also now currently reading what moves the dead which is by t kingfisher which is also a house of usher retelling in a book um with a non-binary protagonist which is very exciting so if you want some you want some queer poe check out t kingfisher um but yeah his his work is just still so relevant and i think will continue to be for the rest of time i am very thankful uh that we got to experience him even if it was unfortunate circumstances and in the uh, end he was right and and john allen that he was gonna be big shit and he is exactly so that's i'm like you know what his life sucked (laughs) but he did get the last laugh in the end because who are we talking about right now i was gonna say it's not john allen but i guess we are but we're talking about john allen in a very negative we're talking about how much he sucks (laughs) (laughs) f you john allen f you rufus griswold 
Poe forever. Uh, well, thank you all for letting me delve into this. I have been very excited to eventually do an episode on him. Uh, yeah, he is so important to my goth backstory, my lore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the much anticipated Poe. The much anticipated Poe episode. If you are uh, also a Poe nerd, I would love to hear about your first experiences with him as a writer. I would love to hear what your favorite pieces are. Um, as always, I'm going to plug, if you're in Kansas City, uh, they do a Electric Poe performance live every Halloween season uh, at the Union Cemetery. And uh, my lovely friend Hollis, who is a, a fellow Poe junkie, uh, does a just amazing interpretation of Poe mm -hmm. and his works. And it's a great way to experience it for the hundredth time or the first time. Um, I just love Poe. I love Poe. Tell me about how much you love Poe too, everyone, please. <laughs> let me let me nerd with you. Uh, and I think so <laughs> if you uh, let me let me I'm too excited now. Too I'm getting excited. ahead of myself. If you enjoyed today's episode, if you enjoy this podcast, we would love if you would leave us a review wherever you listen to us. Uh, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, or if you are listening somewhere where you cannot leave a review, you can always send us a direct message on Instagram or leave us Spotify comments. Uh, but we did get our first Apple review in quite some time, mm -hmm. and it couldn't be more exciting. <laughs> so... <laughs> Penny, will you please share that with us? Yes. Um, so this is from Beloved Lestat, um, the titled So Much Fun, five-star review. I'm a Poe-obsessed, horror-loving, hey. queer-identified zennial that my friends lovingly refer to as a glitter goth, and I have found my people. This podcast is so much fun. It's like sitting with a couple of my goth besties, learning and chatting about all the things that make my soul sing what a what a perfect review for our poe episode we and what was so funny we penny i mean i kind of vaguely mentioned that i was going to try to do this in january for his mm -hmm. birthday but penny did not know that i had brought the poe no, episode today not. and so she was like I, we have this new review and i looked at it i was like oh my god you have to read this on my episode yes. <laughs> <laughs> so to a to a fellow poe obsessed friend thank you for your review uh, it means a lot to us and if you are wanting to keep up with us elsewhere you can find us on instagram at ghouls night in pod and if you are looking for me you can find me across the web at midge munster and you can find me at penny snark and until next time good bye, bye.